Welcome to the Got Your Six podcast. This podcast brings together current service members and veteran high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas delivered in an informative and most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash, and into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. I got your six. Sixers, what an absolute unbelievable treat today. I am joined, I would say, by one of the best human finders I've come across in my entire life. He knows how to build organizations from the bottom up and just build these incredible, incredible teams, which probably started at Westport or even before that. Taylor Justice, the president and co-founder of Unite Us, is here today. Taylor, thank you so much for joining us today, brother. No, I appreciate it. Thank you, Tony. I have to start with one question that's been on my mind, and it is, what are you bringing into this world that wasn't here before? Yeah, so with Unite Us, um, you know, we're almost 10 years old. We'll, we'll hit our, our decade mark in January. And when we first set out to establish the company, we realized that there was a lack of coordination between what are historically known as human and social service agencies. So think of organizations that provide needed services like food and housing and transportation. And historically, those organizations have been seen as charity or government assistance. So there haven't been a lot of focus or investment in connecting those organizations. Over the past few years, um, a lot of research has come out that in order for people to be healthy, their overarching health and well-being is determined not in the clinical environment, but do they have food in their belly, roof over their head, access to a career, those basic needs. And all of that happens in the community. 80% of it happens in the community. And so what we created was a way to prioritize those organizations that are doing all of this work on the ground tactically, but previously had to do that work with sticky notes and Google searches and Excel sheets and emails and phone calls and the dreaded wall full of brochures as their referral mechanism. And what we brought to the world was digitizing that process, initially just focused on the veteran and military population, and then quickly realizing, and quickly is a relative term, about five years realizing that the challenges that the veteran and military community face are not unique. All populations have difficulty navigating human and social services. And so we expanded our solution to really create a software platform that would allow government healthcare, and more importantly, community-based organizations that provide these services to better coordinate around shared families or shared clients that they all service, but they were trying to coordinate these ancillary or complementary services uh, in an ad hoc way. What was the aha moment? Like, was it something in the military during a deployment or, you know, being in service at West Point where you found like some sort of community and you were like, these things are great, but they just, they're not connected. It was a combination of a few different things that all happened over a period of time. And so it first started with my own transition. So I was an infantry officer in the Army, unfortunately was medically discharged through that experience of dealing with the VA and find a new job and finding a place to live, just live the inefficiencies of that process. So I was like, oh, this could be better, but I didn't necessarily struggle. 
Then I got involved with a veteran nonprofit organization called Team Red, White, and Blue that was focused on physical fitness and social activities. But folks that were coming into our our chapter had needs outside of what we could facilitate: education, employment, housing, legal, finance. We had people in the in the in the veteran courts in Philadelphia, and I just came consumed by this lack of both transparency, but also effectiveness of all these organizations that were doing so much good work, but they didn't know about each other. Um, and they were coordinating and it, it, the end result was it was a really bad experience for the veteran or military member. And so you keep peeling back the onion a little bit and you just, you know, you, you see issue after issue after issue and no one's really solving the root cause of that problem. And so, you know, in I guess true infantrymen fashion, I was like, no, who else is going to solve this but me? And so we, we set out to go, to go get this done. And it's not just me. It's uh, my, my co-founder, Dan, is a Air Force reservist still in. And he was looking at the problem the same time I was. And then we started to talk to more and more folks that were also realizing that this is a real issue uh, and we need to go solve it. You touched on something really, really, really fascinating is when you start to look at an organization, someone approaches it for the first time that has this phenomenal service, but for whatever reason, it lacks not transparency, but just being able to assist somebody, that level of trust just completely falls off. And you're like, you you had the service that you need, but for whatever reason, red tape, bureaucracy, like just the wrong day at the wrong time. But to have that curation of all these different services centrally located in and of itself is just absolutely phenomenal because like you said, it's not just a problem with veterans. It's across the board. Well, you brought up a good point there too, because the first thing we built at Unitas was the wrong, was the wrong solution. You know, we thought we'd just curate all these resources, put them on a list. What we initially thought was like, I'm going to put them on a pretty map and just shoot veterans to that resource. And they're going to be able to solve their problems. The issue we found with that is a digital phone book is still a phone book. There's no accountability on the back end. It doesn't give you the details on those organizations and all the programs that they provide, the eligibility requirements of all those programs, and more importantly, no accountability on the back end. So what we did is we flipped our model within our first three to four months completely on its head and said, if I want to better service the veteran military community, then I need to better coordinate the supply of resources get them engaged on the software. So when I make a referral for Tony to this organization, I'm not just saying, hey, Tony, here's food or here's housing or here's employment. It's I'm going to connect you to Bob, Sue, Janet at this organization, and they're going to and they're going to take care of you. And it's really about that accountability where you leverage technology to uh, facilitate a human to human connection. And then you can prove, did I actually take care of Tony or not? Not wonder, hey, here's a resource, send you out into the ether and hope you figure it out. It's like the peace of mind that there's someone on the other end that's going to pick up that referral, but also ultimately, did they give you the service or not? Um, and that was really our true north from, from, uh, from the beginning of, I want to prove that I helped people, not just show uh, how many searches how, or how many referrals I made, because referral is only half the battle. I need to know what happened at the end of that. Absolutely. Just like with anything else, that last mile of logistics is always the hardest. Who was the first person that really influenced you when it comes to accountability? Because that is just such a central, not only of the, you know, the organization, but you personally and being accountable. I mean, I think that was kind of embedded in me growing up. Like I grew up in Kentucky, played sports my entire life. So sports was always a, a big component and it's all about accountability and teamwork and things of that nature. Ended up moving to Florida when I was 13. So middle school through high school and all of the teams I've ever been on, we always had a motto. 
And I still like remember those mottos in Pop Warner in, in, in Florida. It was focus, finish, focus on the task, but finish. And so it goes back to that last mile. High school, uh, we had this thing called hold the rope, hold the rope for your buddy. And it's all about teamwork and making sure that you are, you're driving forward on like the ultimate vision and mission for our team. And the same thing you get into West Point, it's about accountability. It's about uh, leadership and it's about the guy to your right and your left. And you take those values and then you apply it to whatever you're trying to do in the, in the quote unquote civilian sector. And especially with Unite Us of how do I become the best last mile provider in the market and how do I prove that it works? Not just give you all these search and things and be like, oh, we're helping all these people without actually saying, did we? Did we actually help them or not? And when you take that approach and we build our company around it, because we're a technology solution. Everyone thinks we're like, we're big tech and we are, but we apply it with people. It's our boots on the ground in each of these communities that build these networks and go that last mile and do the change management that needs to happen because we're not just taking a solution and providing it to a sector. We're bringing three sectors together simultaneously. And it takes a lot of convincing, it takes a lot of change management, and it takes a lot of effort and standing there in front of organizations that have been burned in the past by healthcare, by government. They have pride and ownership of their population that they serve. And so they're not just going to let anybody come in and provide some tech tool and, and think that they're going to go solve the problems. So you have to stand in front of them and, and take that take that heat in the beginning and prove your worth. And you got to be there for the long haul. I can't just drop tech in and say, hey, I solved your problem because they don't care. You got to solve their problem of the people that they're serving because most of these organizations are underfunded, understaffed, overworked. So if you can't solve their problem, I just created a virtual paperweight. So you have to get in there and, and build. They want nothing to do with you. So you got you to be there and show that you're committed to it. How do you and the team go about asking, did we? Because that in and itself seems like a very simple question, but it takes on a whole different thing because you have to meet everyone where they're at, right? Just like a coach looks at athletes, you can't do the same programming for every athlete or the same drills. Where do you find you and the team do it different? I think it's in a couple of different ways. So just from a team perspective, when we go around hiring, and bringing folks on. And I'll talk to the, to the sales organization uh, because at Unite Us, are, I'm responsible for everything revenue and go-to-market related. You know, it's the, it's the concept of um, hire slow, fire fast. Well, we try to hire slow and make sure we get the right folks on the team. And so not just the interview process that we take folks through to make sure that, okay, can this person, you know, do they have the gift of gab? Do they have technical proficiency? Do they have those certain things? But at the end of it, we make those individuals pitch us in a sales scenario, Unite Us, which is extremely uncomfortable because there's no way they're going to know Unite Us better than we do. We're sales folks too. So just like in the military, military folks don't let you blow smoke. Our team doesn't either. And then we want to see how people handle that because you're going to be put in situations where you're going to get questions that we've never seen. Can you handle it? Can you handle the the heat of of the moment? Uh, and can you articulate the value of Unite Us to people that know it way better than you? And so there's a weeding process to make sure that we find the right talent on the team. Then, you know, to use a West Point word, we inculcate them with our values, right? Of be a good human, first and foremost. Do you meet that? 
criteria. Are you going to own um, your work? So own it, good and bad. If things go negative, are you going to blame somebody else on the team? Or are you going to own, okay, this is what I did. Um, always be collaborating is, is the next value of not just out ex- externally because we're bringing these three sectors together, but internally. You know, we have a bunch of different partner, uh, departments now at Unite Us. We're thousand person organization who have to be working as a unit. And if you're trying to go by yourself, you're going to hamper our progress. And then the, and the fourth is think big. We're trying to push the envelope. We're trying to do something that's never happened before. And so we can't kind of just sit back and get complacent. We want to continue to push because we have an opportunity now in this country where we can prioritize social care to the same priority level as healthcare. And if we're not thinking big, we're going to miss our moment. So you know, the, the, the team has those core values and filtering mechanism to make sure we have the right folks on, uh, on the team. And then the ability to deal with ambiguity, to your point, every community is different. There's different leaders in every community. Whereas, you know, I might go into one community, you, this, the, that local United Way is the cream of the crop, might not be in the other community. So you have to understand and get boots on the ground and get eyes on of like what's actually happening. Who are the people that are actually moving the needle and who are the influencers here? And how do you bring them under that tent where you can all collaborate and be a part of that same vision where you're not stepping on their toes? You're there as a support mechanism, but you're building that trust and you're building that confidence. You have to, again, it goes back to that process of putting those boots on the ground because until you have eyes on, until you have those conversations, you don't know where you're at. You're just dropping in technology and ultimately that's not going to work. Ray, and the connective tissue there is that emotional intelligence. And I, what I feel the superpower is that, that you really bring to the team I've continued to kind of push out is that ability to understand to get jobs that need to be done. Not just the job I need to do, but everyone recognizes the jobs that need to be done. And then they can, instead of like, you know, you see like kids that when they play like a soccer match, they all swarm to the ball. Instead, they know who needs to swarm to the ball and who needs to be on the wing in order to then to receive the ball. And that's a really, really special thing to be able to kind of create, not only organically, but scale across an organization. Well, that, that piece, that scale piece is, is something that I don't think I've, I have gotten right just yet. Because going from being a 200-person company to a 1,000-person company is different. And I used to know every single piece of this business, everything that was going on every single day, every in and out. But as you grow and you bring on more and more leaders and you bring on a lot of talent that can lead different functions, you got to let go a little bit. And that's hard uh, when you've been in it for so long. I mean, like I said at the beginning, we've been at this for almost 10 years now. We didn't really hit our stride until like the last two. So like unwinding what, how the way, like your, your op tempo for eight years uh, to then be like, all right, it's yours now go run. Like, that's tough. It's scary, but that's the only way you scale. The only way you scale. And like, you know, they teach you in the military. It's just like, make sure that your team can do their job and, and give them control. So you can look, look up and do the next thing, do the next big thing or the next strategic thing, or make sure that the boat is going in the right direction. And so it's been a transition. And I think us as a leadership team are, are slowly starting to, to, to pull our fingers out of, uh, out of some of those things and, and uh, relinquish control. But it's, it's not an overnight thing. It takes time, uh, especially even, even myself. And I, I can see where I, can, I would create bottlenecks if I hold on too much. Um, so it's, like, it's an exercise in continuing to remind yourself to kind of pull back a little bit and let your team learn and, and also make mistakes. 
not too big of mistakes, but let them make mistakes because that's how they're going to reinforce, oh, I should never do that again. Right. And that reinforces handling adversity in the moment, which you were talking that's about. Right. And like coming away from like, you can't always be the pipe hitter at the execution level. You need to be the pipe hitter at the vision level. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. Which it's hard to get out of that because, you know, you love the action. You want to be in it. And uh, sometimes you got you to let the fresh blood and the young bucks get in there and, and run with it. How do you pull yourself back when you kind of feel yourself leaning in too much and like getting too close to that execution level now, especially being at a thousand plus people? Yeah, I mean, I think creating an environment where my team can give me that feedback in real time. And sometimes they've delayed because there's just a lot going on. And there's like, you know what, you know, I, I just had a, a team member and that's why it's top of my mind, you know, come to me last week. And, you know, I love her for it. And she's like, hey, we got this. I'm like, fuck, you do. And it's just like, sometimes you just need those leaders underneath of you to have the courage to be like, and feel comfortable coming to you and be like, hey, let us, let us run. And you're just like, you know what, you're right. Go execute. And, you know, there's the, that reminder. And then it's just continually telling yourself because you have to train your brain to get out of it. And every situation is like, oh, is this something where I need to jump in? Or is this a, an area where I can let the team kind of think through this? Or if I ask this question, is it going too far in the weeds on this? And it's just like, I need to pull myself out of it because I'm going to let them run with it. It's a conscious decision that you have to make all the time until it becomes muscle memory. Training that rep, right? That's right. That's exactly it. You can't pick up a thousand pounds in the gym just by going over the bar and be like, let's stack those plates on and let, let it rip. <laughs> That's right. As you go to do that though, there has to be something like, all right, I am focusing on the wrong thing because maybe there's, there's a sense of comfort here almost. Yeah. Well, I think it's a sense of comfort and especially in like a sales scenario, like I've been in this for so long. I feel like I've seen so many things and there's like, it's just pattern recognition when I'm in a, when I'm in a sales conversation or I'm in a strategic conversation where it's when people ask a question, I know the second, third, fourth question they're going to ask. So I can just get to it right away. And I feel like I can move quicker, but that had to be learned over time. And so it's a recognition of if I truly want the team to scale, then they've got to go in and learn that piece and have like that, that pattern recognition themselves. And so what I've tried to do lately is just my initial reaction usually is just jump in and answer questions, especially in front of customers. Where now it's just like, I'll take a step back and let the team feel a little bit. And then if, if, I, if they need me to jump in, I'll jump in or they, like they, they give me the look because they don't know the answer to something, then yeah, I'll go. But it's like taking a step back and like letting things be awkward for a little bit um, while they figure it out. And then two... Just because I sell one way or I pitch something one way or I present something one way doesn't isn't mean that's the only way. And so it's, it, it doesn't have to be a carbon copy of what I do. And so there's different styles to your point. And you have different athletes. They have different strengths. They have different ways to go and execute. And so the way I might do something, the way I might present something is not the way that everybody else does. There's multiple ways to get this done. And so I've had to learn that too. And I, it's, it's, you know, you don't want to let perfection get in the way of whatever the saying is, execution or whatever, getting things done and, and giving, you know, letting your athletes execute in space. And so it's giving them that freedom um, that there's multiple ways to do things. Right. And that pattern recognition, especially being uncomfortable in the silence, right? When there's nothing going on and it's, hey, this is a data point, two data points are aligned. And then like you said, three data points are a trend. And then as people start to do that pattern recognition over time, they're maybe solving the end state faster and quicker, better, 
or just in a, in a way that moves the organization in, a, in the way that it needs to, as opposed to the way it's going. That's right. And there's differences between doing a virtual call or doing an in-person meeting. Absolutely. You get so much, so much more data in person. Someone fidgets in their seat. They sit back a little bit. You get a little eye roll from someone that's sitting over here. It's like you take all those things in and you got to be able to read that room. And so it's not just, you know, where we're all sitting in these, in these virtual situations. It's, it's that in-person piece too, where it's just like, I'm usually jumping, I'm going in and got to take a little bit of a, of a, of a beat uh, to let the team handle it. That only comes with time. Like you talked about, you're about to hit 10 years, which is incredible. And you said like the momentum didn't really start until the last like two along those ways. And even before, right there, like you said, massive failures and extreme successes. What failure are you the most grateful for and why? I think there's a few of them, you know, prior to even starting Unite Us, this is my third company. And so my first company was, it's called Squared Away Construction. You know, I was going to be like this broker to help uh, commercial builders basically break into the government space and just couldn't find traction. And ultimately, you know, it, it didn't go anywhere. And then the, the second company was uh, Higher Echelon. And so 295 West Point grads that I started that with. And I realized that that was a grind. We bootstrapped that business and basically built something out of scratch. And I give a lot of credit to Joe Ross, who really put us on his back in those early days. Uh, and I exited that business in 2014. But those experiences, I wouldn't say Higher Echelon was a failure, but that failure with uh, Squared Away Construction you know, made me realize, do you want this or not? That I was going to say, hey, I was going to take a shot at this entrepreneurial thing. And what it taught me was I didn't give a damn about construction. Didn't care. You know, I wanted to start a business and I wanted to do those types of things. But it's like truly finding something you're passionate about. And I think even with Higher Echelon, I loved it. I loved my time with Joe. But Joe sat me down one time and was just like, you know, when you talk about this idea you have, you know, before it was called Unite Us, he goes, the passion you have about it and the fire you talk about is like, it's, 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 you know, intoxicating. And I can just tell it's what you wanted to go do, like go do it. And it's almost like that permission to be like, to go hunt. And then in Unite Us, there was a couple deals in the early days of, you know, there's one deal in particular. It was a large nonprofit organization recognized around the world that was looking to uh, have a veteran and military program. And it was the first time that I ran into politics and bureaucracy where there was an organization and this one individual leader that had a relationship with, you know, some other vendor that had never been in the space. Both were not veterans. Both didn't really have ties to the veteran and military community. And it didn't matter. They still made a decision and went another way. And I can remember like we put in so much time and effort that when I got the email that we weren't selected, I remember sitting in at, at my desk at my home and just like crying. And I was just like mad because I knew that the, that was the wrong choice. I knew that I got beat uh, because I didn't see all the angles, but that failure kind of sparked something in me. It was just like, I'm never going to let that happen again. And I'm going to make sure that I know everybody within that organization so I can go kind of solve for this. Because ultimately what happened with that contract is they never got it off the ground the software company that they selected that overpromised actually never even delivered. And still to this day, they've never rolled out any software that helped veteran and military members. So you think about the years that we could have had a solution out and helping folks. It's like, I failed the veteran and military community because I didn't solve that problem. 
And so it's, it's that fire that it's like, okay, you learn from your mistakes. It's never going to happen again. And I'm going to be so good that they won't deny us. And so, you know, I take that into all of these different scenarios where we're getting into bigger and bigger stakes. Now we're bigger and bigger organizations are talking about social determinants of health and everybody and their mom is now coming into this space and they don't care. Everyone sees it as a, you know, a, a damn dollar sign. It's not about helping people. And so you got to fight that fight so that you can get out there and actually prove going back to that true north that people get the care that they need and everybody will come up with, you know, whatever they want. There's bureaucracy, there's politics, there's, you know, competitive dynamics and people will have integrity about how they go about their business and others won't. You got to deal with all that. Those are all the pressures that you have. If you really want to build something that's generational and the team here is just so committed to making it happen and they all feel it. And so we take that ownership seriously of this is our problem to go solve. This is our fight. Those are just, you know, obstacles in the way of ultimately what we're trying to accomplish. Right. And handling all those variables comes down to being consistent day in and day out. Like you are, everyone I've talked to on the team is. So then Taylor Justice, as we wrap up, how are you better today than yesterday? That's a good question. I try to get better. I think it goes back to being a, it's like, it's a conscious decision and you try to assess like, what did I do yesterday that either set me back or was like the wrong way to approach a task or email or a conversation or whatever it was. I'd say this a lot, but I think positivity is a superpower. And so there's a bazillion things on a daily basis that you can get mad about. And I get mad all the time. I get frustrated. I get, it's hard to sleep sometimes if I check my email too late or if I get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and check my phone, like my mind will start racing. But I, I think it's a constant reminder if, if I'm going to be better every single day, then I need to be positive about the situation. And can I channel negative energy into a positive? And then go back to like what I'm actually trying to accomplish. Because if I come in and I'm negative and I'm like, oh, this person, this, you know, competitor X, Y, and Z, and, you know, we're going to go out and we're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. Like that feeds negativity. And then everyone's coming at this from a negative perspective. So like from a positive standpoint, how I try to continue to get better is there's always challenges. There's always roadblocks and there's always things that are going to make you furious. If you let those consume you, then there's a chink in your armor. You've got to be able to continue to be positive. So there's not like a specific like task I do where it's like, you know, I wish I got up every single morning and ran five miles. And, you know, there's, there's certain things that obviously you, you sacrifice at times. Uh, and maybe that's just an excuse in my head. But the things that I can always control is positivity. Like this is always going to be a still trap. And this is always going to be looking on the horizon. And so I try to kind of assess and, and make decisions, not in the moment, where if something's really making me mad, I'd, be, I'd fire something off. And now I, I take that, you know, tactical pause. It's like, let me get to this tomorrow. And then let me reassess because my, feeling, my feelings are going to be completely different. Uh, and just recognizing what those triggers are for myself, you know, help me continue to, to advance and improve. Taylor, thank you so much. Where can people go to find out more about you, Unite Us, and just the incredible company and organization that you have continued to build over the years? So I would send everybody to uniteus.com. We have a new refresh website that we're rolling out this Saturday. So come Sunday morning, the new revamp site that the marketing team has put so much awesome work into. We have uh, our stories from uh, Community Impact. We have customers uh, and, and communities that are kind of talking about our work. You can see what our solutions are, which we continue to grow. We acquired a couple companies 
last year to kind of continue to build out our service offering and continue to think big and grow and do those things. It's all on there that will kind of take you into a, a bunch of different paths uh, on what we do of kind of like our our user stories, our customer stories, uh, you know, some of the, the the big wins we have from a press release standpoint. Plus, it looks cool shit. So go check out uniteus.com. It'll get a little bit of a facelift uh, come Sunday morning. And we will make sure we link it in the show notes. Taylor, you shared insight, strategies, tactics. Most importantly, you had our six. Extremely grateful for the time today, brother. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it, man. Hey, Sixers. Did you know the Got Your Six podcast is now streaming every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern and Saturdays at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern on Wreaths Across America Radio, available on the iHeartRadio app, the Audacity app, and the TuneIn app. Just search the word Wreath. If you got something out of this, be a battle buddy. Share with a friend, pass it along. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure you leave us a review and give us as many stars as you think we warrant because we love what we do here at the Got Your Six podcast. We're always adapting and evolving this podcast because of you, the Sixers. And if you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button. You'll never miss an episode when we drop new ones every Monday. I don't know what you've been told, Sixers, but the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Got Your Six podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.